work with teens and young people all the time, and who doesn't like candy? I uh, went to the parade yesterday in Ellsworth, and it's exciting to, you know, receive some joy. Uh, but really, be, I throw lifesavers um, because Jesus is our lifesaver, so it's just a reminder. Um, and I, I really am going to throw them, not at you, I'm going to throw them to you. So I'll kind of give them a little loft. And if you really came to church today and you can't stand the fact that I'm throwing lifesavers to you, you can just do like this, okay? And just pretend it never happened, okay? Uh, I'm sure the young people will pick up the rest when they come in uh, afterwards. So here it goes. These guys are at least know it's coming. So just a few, you know, we're not going to, I'm not going to stress you out too bad today. Uh-oh, uh-oh, I'm running low. I got another bag, but I'll just, we'll get over here. Can't miss you guys. We're getting low. Throw. Did you get any? All right. Some, they need, here, one more right here. So either now you're really happy or really mad that I'm here today. So um, good thing it's not about me. And uh, good thing it's really about what the Lord has for us. So uh, I also have a little saying that I have chosen to use over the years that I think God has directed me in. It's to say God is awesome and the people say all the time. And then I say all the time and the people say God is awesome. So we'll give it a shot. God is awesome. All the time. time. Praise the Lord. Let's open with a word of prayer before we jump into God's word this morning. Father, we praise you for this chance that we have to look into your word, into your truth. Um, It is living, it is active, and it can transform us um, in mighty ways, Lord. It can bring us peace, it can bring us joy, it can be an encouragement, it can be a challenge. There's all types of things that it is. It's it's amazing. Your word is, is true, and it's rich, and it's full of life. And I pray this morning that... Um, I would just faithfully share what you have for us today, that it would remind us um, of your grace and your goodness and your love for us. Uh, We just thank you for this privilege to look into it. In Jesus' name, people said, amen. Amen. We're going to be in, um, actually, first of all, we're going to be in Philippians. So if you want to find the book of Philippians in your Bible or your Bible app um, or or whatever, I think it's going to be on the screen too, so don't freak out if you don't have it. But the question that I, I thought of today um, as I was preparing is, is that statement, God is awesome all the time, always easy to say and believe? I mean, it's easy to say, don't get me wrong, that's an easy, you know, you can formulate those words pretty easily, but sometimes that part that really catches me is all the time. Because when you say God is awesome all the time, that would mean always, right? Right? All the time. So our scripture this morning is in Philippians, and um, Paul is the, it's an encouragement from Paul, and uh, he's a guy that at one point sought to silence Christians. He sought to to kill them even, to kill believers, to to get rid of them. Yet he had a a radical experience with, with the Lord, and at that point turned from his wicked ways, from his sinful ways, and then he lived fully for the Lord the rest of his days. And he he really sought to encourage followers of Christ and to see new followers of Christ. And so we're going to be encouraged, I pray, this morning um, from Philippians. We're just going to start with verse 4. We're going to read a bunch, and then we'll pause and uh, uh, talk a little bit about it, and then we'll go back to it. So you just might want to keep your finger in it. 
Um, I have this old school thing. This is actually paper Bible. You know, they do still make those. Um, but um, I'm going to read from those. I'll think it, I think it's on the screen as well. But we'll start with verse 4 in chapter 4 of Philippians. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We just finished uh, one of my favorite favorite uh, holidays or one of my favorite traditions that we hold here. We just had Thanksgiving. Actually, I had Thanksgiving three times. I had it once at my in-laws, or actually my in-laws' family, and then once with my family, and then once with my in-laws again. Not to be confusing, but um, we, we had it three times. And I, I really like this season of Thanksgiving. Uh, maybe some of the things you like about Thanksgiving, I don't know if you like Thanksgiving, but maybe you do, uh, would be food, um, you could maybe the parade. You like to watch the parade. You like food. You like to be with some family. Uh, maybe some food. Uh, you like to watch. Maybe some of you like to watch football, and then leftovers, right? I mean, that's the best part, right? The leftovers. At least according to my father-in-law, he likes the leftovers. What about being thankful? Which is kind of the premise of the whole thing. Thanksgiving, right? I want you to take a minute, Maybe uh, you've probably already been thankful during this time, but just with your neighbor, just share something that you thank God for today. So uh, whatever it might be, and you could just go with the easy one, food, if, if you don't have anything on your mind, but something that you thank God for, and you, this is a little chatter part, so go ahead and chat with your neighbor just for something you thank God for today. Can you think of something? What, yes, what do you thank God for? Food, okay. Is there a couple people willing to share appropriate Thanksgivings? Who, who would share something? Yes, sir. Jeremiah, my son, he lives in Anchorage. Yeah. And he called me right after it happened. Praise the Lord. And he's fine. Everybody that he's in contact with is fine. Praise the Lord. No fatalities in this accident. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thanksgiving, absolutely. Other things you're thankful for this morning? Yes, yes. Family. For the fa- for our families, absolutely. Thumbs up. Any, anyone else? My home. Your home. Yes, yes, sir. Breathing. Praise the Lord. Absolutely. Yes. God's loving grace. Absolutely. A lot of these things are positive in nature, aren't they? We tend to drift quickly to the things that we rejoice in, that are, that are positive. The scripture here challenges us to always, to give, or what does it say? I will say it again, oh, rejoice in the Lord always. So we're even to give thanks in the things that don't go so well, the things that, that are outside of our expectations, that, that don't make any sense to us. Even when we don't get what we want, even when life is hard, even when we've been hurt. Uh, in 2010, I, I, you guys are part of a missions trip, which is 
awesome, and I love to hear how God is using your fellowship um, on those trips. It's Guatemala, right? Is that what it is? Uh, our church has been going to the Dominican for like 18, 19 years now, and uh, ministered to the same place. And I've, uh, over the years, well, from the beginning, I've been one of the leaders of this trip. So we go down, and we've built this school for like, you know, there's 400 kids, I think, at this time in it. And it's just really a beautiful opportunity to be part of the, the fellowship, the Christian fellowship that's there. Those of you that have been on a missions trip, you know that it's just a joy to, to worship with believers from around the world. Um, in 2010, I went on this trip. And uh, forgive me if you've heard this story, but I went... And I went a little early with my family to kind of set things up, to get the, get the like, equipment ready, you know, piles of dirt, uh, shovels, wheelbarrows, stuff like that, uh, make sure that it was all lined up. And uh, I was excited to be in the Dominican. I'd been there like 10 times to this particular place, and I knew the people, so it was fun to be with. It was like family. It was exciting. And, you know, we were checking out the situations. And we were, at that time, we were working on the second floor of the school, and we were building this second level. And, um, you know, so I was up there looking at it, and I, I had just bought these really sweet flip-flops, and I was very happy about them. I don't know why I was happy about flip-flops, but I was happy. They were comfortable. That's probably why. And, and I was just zipping around, um, and I was a few years younger, so I was, like, you know, a little more, even more energized. And I went bounding down this set of stairs, and unbeknownst to me, it was under construction. In the Dominican, when stuff is under construction, you still use it. Kids are still going to school. They climb over dirt piles, whatever. They're still using this facility. And on my way down, about halfway down the stairs, I found something in the concrete steps. And it was actually a concrete nail, some, somewhat like that, and it was... Uh, in the, it, it had been part of the framework, so it, they had ripped off the boards and this nail was left. And my flip-flop apparently wasn't construction grade, I don't know, but this is actually the exact flip-flop I was wearing and the nail went into my foot and since it was attached to the concrete, it didn't have any grace or mercy in me. Uh, it, it drove into my foot and I figured right off that that was bad, right? And... Um, I, I limped my way back to the dormitory, which was just a, oh, not too far away, and I sat in a chair, and uh, my son comes out. He was little. He's a little boy at that time, and he goes, you okay, Dad? And I was like, yeah, I think I'm all right, and I looked at my foot, and if you know me at all, blood and that stuff, I'm not really great at that. Even thinking about it now, I get a little... And sure enough, I blacked right out. Like, I passed out in front of my, I think he was probably a uh, five-year-old son. And uh, he was like, Dad? Um, I actually don't know what happened because I was blacked out, right? So eventually I came to, and, um, and they took me, I'll just kind of make this as quick as I can. They took me to a nearby clinic, okay? And I hobble in, you know, um, hobble past all these people, and they took me into this room where the file cabinet drawer was falling off the shelf. Uh, it was rusty. They brought out this soda bottle of some liquid, and they were going to squirt it on my foot. And at that point, I became miraculously healed. I was like, I'm fine. I got to go now. We'll see you. I feel great. Thank you. Like, I was not having it, and I, I left the, the room. I, we, our team had brought down some crutches, so I crutched around. But you know what? It was not great. It hurt a lot. Every time I stood up, it likes all like the blood rush there. I mean, I had driven that nail into my foot, and I did not feel super. And um, 
that's not really good when you're the leader and you're having this really kind of traumatic experience going on. And I didn't get it. I was kind of bummed because aren't, I'm doing what God has for me, right? I'm doing what I feel like I should be doing, and here I am laid up. And, and I tried. I would try to paint. Every time I moved, I just got like woozy feeling. And it wasn't just because I was a wimp. Something was wrong, right? And, and it wasn't because I let that clinic help me out because they didn't touch me. I left before they even had a chance to look at me. My wife happened to go on this little side trip with a friend to check out this hospital um, down the road, like 40 minutes down the road that, that actually when I was a teenager we had helped to build. And uh, the guy saw, she was showing him pictures, it was like the doctor or something, she was showing them snow pictures from Maine, and she happened to come upon my foot. And when the doctor saw it, he said, he needs to come here right now. We'll send a car right now. And it turned out that part of my shoe was actually inside my foot. So this piece that was missing was actually up inside my foot and uh, was causing me all the trouble. So I went and they cut it out and all that yumminess. Why do I share that disgusting story, really, with you? It's because I only had part of the picture. Uh, my frustration was that I wasn't able to do what I thought I had come to the Dominican to do. I couldn't work. I couldn't like carry gravel. I couldn't even stand and paint. I couldn't do it. But the Lord had something else totally different in mind on that journey. The Lord knew that I had a really busy season ahead. I had a lot on my plate coming up right after that, which I didn't know until after that had happened. But I, I had cause to rest. I had to literally lay in my bed for like hours on end in the Dominican. I couldn't do what I thought I was there to do. I, I don't know that I was necessarily rejoicing all the time. I also had the chance to, I read a book that like changed my thinking on how we live for Christ. I never would have read that book if I couldn't have done anything else. I learned to play the ukulele, but I forgot that. But that was a side note. That was just kind of for fun. Um, and I also preached like eight times down in the Dominican. So instead of working, I was preparing messages, and the Lord provided all these messages. I share all that because I was anxious. I was worried. I was concerned. But the Lord had this bigger picture, this larger uh, thing in store for me. Paul says, do not be anxious. That's difficult to do, at least for me. I confess it's easier for me to worry, to be afraid, to think about um, how bad something is, to look at the not look at the bright side of life, but look at the less than bright side of life. Uh, my attitude can get crummy. It can get downright yucky. And my mind can get filled with frustration or fear. My thoughts and words and actions don't always bring glory to God. Yet this scripture is encouraging us. Paul is challenging us. Do not be anxious about anything. About anything. That's a lot. Because that's anything. Everything. But in everything, with prayer, uh, with, um, with prayer, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Difficult situations can really push us to the Lord and remind us of our dependence on Him, our real need for the Spirit of God in our lives. 
The scripture says, the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When that happens, we have peace. We can choose to rejoice in the Lord even in those difficult times. And it can be an encouragement to others. Like if we have something real negative happen in our lives, it can be an encouragement to others. When I returned to Maine about 20 years ago after college, um, I was getting involved in the church that I'm a part of still, and some people had invited us, well, it was just me at the time, I wasn't married, had invited me over for dinner, and I was pretty excited for some yummy food, some like, you know, I was just out of college, so probably what I was making wasn't too fantastic. I was excited. I knew this person was a good cook. Plus, I looked forward to getting to know him a little more, but they had to cancel on me, and I know that doesn't sound like a big deal, really, but it's because their house had burned down. Like, the day I was supposed to come over, that the night before, their house had, like, burned, and they lost everything. I mean, all the people were safe, praise God, but everything in their house was no longer. This was, a, for me, it's always been a, a, an incredible reminder. They didn't allow their circumstances to control their perspective. I'm not saying they weren't sad about what the things they had lost, because obviously, you know, childhood memories and pictures and pets, they were sad about some of those things, of course. But they had a picture that was just like the scriptures encouraging us. They trusted that God was in control. That God knew what, had the, the bigger picture in mind. That this was just a temporary thing. And their hope was in eternal things, not in the temporary I'm not sure what you're facing today, because I don't know all of your situations. I don't know what you're going through. I, I can't pretend to know. But Scripture encourages us and challenges us that God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the knower of all things, he knows what's going on. And he invites us to pray, to even give thanks for those difficult things. It's a challenge, but it's a great joy when we're able to trust the Lord. My favorite scripture is to trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's an incredible reminder that he is worthy of our trust. Will you trust him today, tomorrow, during this season? Will we choose to rejoice in the Lord always? I don't know if you noticed, but we kind of live in a negative world. Uh, how, we, how can we renew our minds in this, in this difficult or in this negative atmosphere? How can we have a different approach than those around us? And Paul gives us some insight into that, how to renew our minds. If we pick up in verse 8, if you, I think it's up there, but if you want to see that, we're going to read a little bit here. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, what is, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. The mind that's fixed on the things of the Lord, these, these attributes that we read here, it doesn't have space to, fi fi uh, to fixate on all the troubles, to think about all the difficulties. True, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. 
fixing our minds on these things of the Lord can help us move away from the temporary circumstances. This message pretty much hits home for me pretty hard because it's easy temptation to focus on the things of this world. It's easy to become, I can, I guess I'll just say, I can become discontent, especially when I stop thinking about the Lord who is, who he is, and what he has done. When I think about my situation, about the things I don't have, the things I want or want more of, perhaps you can relate, I can, I can get distracted. It's interesting, we go from Thanksgiving and we bounce right to a, a season of Christmas, a season that we can get distracted about what the true meaning is. Paul rounds out this section of scripture, and I'm carrying on here from verse 10. It says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord, that at last you have, been renewed, you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Paul's had a lot, and he's had a little, and he's found the secret to being content. From an early age, you and I, if you've grown up in this culture, have been flooded with images and ideas that create an attitude of discontentment. Companies invest massive amounts of money into um, convincing us to sell, well, they want to sell their product, but it's to convince us that we need whatever they have. And if we don't get that, then, then we are left out. Um, their promise, kind of, if, if you watch an advertisement with, with um, the right lens, they're trying to convince you that if you have what they are offering, you are going to be happier, your life is going to be better, and people are going to like you more. And this time of year, as I've already mentioned, is a perfect classic example of this. Stores, how, how soon do stores put out their stuff? At this point, it's almost as soon as kids go back to school, it's like Christmas. We, we skip past all those other things, all those other celebrations. It is like Christmas time, right? Um, I think you could buy a Christmas tree in August at this point. Stores begin to put up their, their Christmas items. Black Friday has nearly overtaken Thanksgiving. I mean, it is this close, and, and I think in some places they wouldn't mind if, you know, they could even start earlier. Catalogs are circled. Do you ever do that when you were a kid, like circle the catalog? Um, my kids have learned that if you circle it, their, mother, my gra their grandmother might actually buy it. So they have to be a little more careful about what they circle. They used to just kind of like, shush, shush, shush. and now they're like, well, I didn't really want that. I just thought it was cool. Circling catalogs, wish lists are created, and commercials fill the airwaves. Companies spend tons of money. Many moons ago, um, I had a friend, so many, like when I was probably in fourth grade, I had a friend who had one of those remote control cars. Probably now it's not even that cool, but it was one of those ones that, you know, you could stand over here and the car could drive around the room. It could spin up dirt. It could go that fast. It was really sweet. Um, it could go off jumps. 
And uh, what else could it do? Um, well, it could do a lot. It was cool. I remember shoveling pathways in the snow, and we could drive it in the snow. And I, I thought to myself, that kid's happy. I want one of those. If I have one of those cars, I am going to be a happy person, right? And to be honest, I kind of still struggle with that, even as a 42-year-old, because I see, like, somebody's nice car, and I'm like, hmm, if I had that, I might be, hmm, you know? I fall into that temptation still, but at, at fourth grade, so nine years old, I thought if I, uh, so I asked for one of those for Christmas, and I should have learned my lesson far before now, you know, nine years old, I should have already learned that this doesn't always go very well at my house, but under the Christmas tree, sure enough, there was a remote control car, it was a red convertible, but do you think it was anyway, any, anything like my friend's RC car, remote control car, no way, Jose. For one thing, it did not spin up dirt at all. For another thing, going over a jump for this thing was like, like it was not a pretty sight. But the biggest thing, the biggest problem was that my remote control car had a wire attached to it. You knew it, didn't you, Garth? It had a wire. So I had to chase this thing. A wire. Talk about crushing a kid's dreams. I was so disappointed. This is not... The only reason... The only redemption... One time I put my hamster in this car. This was the best part of this car. And I wasn't planning on telling you that, but I drove it down the hallway. That's the best thing that ever happened with that car. That hamster going in the, the convertible there. I was so bummed, though. You know, Paul recognizes that contentment doesn't come in packages tied up with string, doesn't come with fancy lights, a great remote control car, or even a real great car. Doesn't come with super silly Christmas sweaters, although I like some of those, they're fun. You know, of course the Grinch also knows this, right? The Grinch who stole Christmas. What did, he, he, he figured this out, so why do we need Paul to tell us? You know, the Grinch... The Grinch thought, oh, I hate Christmas. I'm going to take it all. He went and stole their toys, stole their Christmas trees, stole their lights, stole their food. And he was up at the mount, top of Mount Crumpet, about ready to chuck it off. And they're still down there singing. And he was like, first he was mad, but then he was like, wait a second. Christmas is more than this stuff. The Who's had figured out that Christmas was like family and being with those you love and, you know, the Grinch's heart grows and yada, yada, yada. Maybe you've seen that story. It's been around for a while. But you know what? The Grinch only had part of that story right. Paul is encouraging us here that to rejoice in the Lord always. And you know what the truth is? Sometimes people are going to let us down. Families aren't always going to be there. Our situation isn't always going to be rosy. We're not always going to sing on tune and, and be with family. There may be times where those, even those things let us down. The who's, their situation was still based on circumstances. Paul's secret, he gives us a secret. That's kind of fun. His secret to contentment isn't in this stuff. Not in great family gatherings, not in our sports teams winning the game, not in the best turkey. 
not in the best foods, not in the best tree, not in the best gift, not the right meal. Those aren't bad things. I'm not saying to like not have any of that. But Paul has found that contentment is in Christ alone. It's in Jesus. And we too can enjoy this. We're invited to enjoy the same type of contentment because of what Jesus has accomplished through his life, his death, and his resurrection. Jesus faced many difficult times, even from his very humble beginnings, just coming to earth. It wasn't like a big party. It was in a stable. There was no room. Jesus was abandoned by friends, wasn't he? When it came time for... Uh, well, all throughout, people would follow him, and then they'd be like, well, this is a little too intense. I'm out of here. Or even when it was time to go to the cross, his, his best friends booked it on him, ultimately leading to a painful and very public crucifixion. He knew it was coming his way. Jesus knew the agony he would face. And do you remember what he did the night before he was betrayed, the night before he went to that cross? He prayed. He paused and went to the only one he knew could give him the contentment and the comfort that he needed. And when his captors showed up, did he, he didn't fight back. He went peacefully. Even when his disciple had tried to boldly like rescue him and cut off the, the uh, soldier's ear, Jesus healed that ear. Jesus lived out this scripture. He lived out this idea of let your gentleness be evident to all. He, he gave us this example. He was willing to die in our place. Jesus did what we could not do. He defeated death so that we could experience life. Life because of the payment of sins through his sacrifice, through his suffering, a sacrifice that gifted eternal life for those who put their trust in him. Now this is a reason to celebrate, a reason to give thanks, a reason to be content in any and all circumstances. I know, um, I know I can get wrapped up. I don't know about you, but I can get wrapped up in the Christmas season. I can get wrapped up in all the... The, the stuff that comes with it, I can get wrapped up. And maybe you've even pulled out your Christmas lights before and they are like a tangled mess. Um, at 42 years old, I finally figured out that if I put them away right, they come out a lot easier, okay? But, but often they still can come out in this wretched mess, right? It's, it's, so just like that, in every year, this is a challenge for me to approach the Christmas season with this attitude of contentment. To, con to approach it and to remember the true reason that we celebrate. And it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. I, you know, I really can't untangle this mess myself. You can't really untangle this mess that we've put ourselves in yourself. Maybe we've lost sight, gotten distracted by the things of this world. It's pretty easy to do. Have you recognized your need for Jesus in general? Have you come to that place where you say, I actually, I've tried a lot of these other things. I've tried to be happy, if you want to use that word, to be content and all this other stuff, and it just really hasn't panned out. You probably could look back over your life and 
see things that maybe it was a friendship or a relationship that let you down or um, a car that you bought that in no time broke down, you know, or something that you've set your hope in. You're, you know, you really thought that was the answer. This morning I want us to remind us that through the power of the Spirit, Holy Spirit, He can help untangle that mess that we've gotten ourselves into. And I don't know if there's an outlet around here, but there must be somewhere. No? I think there's one over here. You know, when that mess gets untangled, I got the wrong end. <laughs> that makes it really hard. Sometimes that happens in life, doesn't it? We don't quite get it right. I can see, but I just can't. There. Then once we, can, once we untangle that mess, that's when we can really shine brightly, right? Woo. Hey, that's stuck to me, but that's kind of ex- that was not on purpose, but exciting. <laughs> Woo. The Holy Spirit can help us untangle that mess, and then we can shine brightly. And when we're shining brightly, others around will kind of wonder, what is different? They're, they're not quite as wrapped up in all this stuff. They not seem to freak out every time something doesn't go the way that they anticipate or, or when things aren't great. And we can shine brightly because we are rejoicing the Lord always, not just when things are going our way. As we uh, head into a time of worship in a few minutes here of praise, I just want to invite you. I actually have stuck. These are concrete nails. There's some boxes on either side and at the back. I just want you to kind of contemplate and think this morning and invite you to, to get, get one of those. You can do it while we sing. You can do it on your way out. You can totally ignore me and not do it at all. It's your choice. But, but to kind of reflect on this nail. Um, this isn't like a replica of what Jesus went through, but maybe it could be a reminder of the sacrifice that Jesus has given so that we can have life we can be content in this life you know i throw lifesavers because they remind us of jesus because there's a hole in the middle right so that that lifesaver is a reminder that jesus took those nails on our behalf he gave of himself and the sweet part about that is that he didn't stay in the grave by the power of god he rose from the dead So that's where our hope comes from. He rose. He walked among his disciples. They were amazed as well they should be. They praised him. And then he ascended to heaven. And then he left his spirit so that we could live for him. So that we could actually do this verse. Because we're not going to be able to untangle this mess on our own. There's no way. I I can untangle Christmas lights, but I can't untangle my sinfulness, my mess. It's only through Christ. May it just be a little reminder. You know, as you reflect, maybe as we sing praises, you could, you could just ponder the nail, ponder the nails that Jesus took on our behalf and be thankful. Be thankful. This Christmas season and all of our days, may we find contentment in Jesus. And in, and in him alone. Let's pray.
Father God, we are amazed at your goodness and your grace up towards us. You have, beyond anything we deserve, anything we could have asked for, you have provided for us. You have taken care of us. And I don't mean material riches, or although you take care of us in so many ways in, in that, but you have given us hope. Lord, may we rejoice in you always. May our gentleness be evident to all. For you are near. This season we celebrate your coming. We celebrate your birth. You are near. You're not some far off being, but you have made yourself completely known. And we praise you for that. May we not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present our request to you, O Lord. Forgive me for those times I have gone my own way. Help me to put my trust in you and you alone. And may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. God is awesome all the time. All the time.